0: Welcome to the Rebel Educator Podcast, where we talk to students, educators, and thought leaders who are innovators and creatives in education. I'm your host, Tanya Sheckley. Thanks for joining us. I'm here today with Dave Potter. I'm going to read his bio for you because he's much too accomplished for me to try and remember everything that he's done, so please pardon my reading. As a product of California public school system, Dave Potter is passionate about his state fulfilling its promise to provide all students with a world-class education. Dave's focus is supporting underserved communities through people-to-people exchanges and all forms of cross-collaboration that make progress on the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Dave is fluent in strategic partnerships, purposeful storytelling, and building networks of learners with government, corporate, philanthropic, and education leaders worldwide. He has helped raise $40 million to support Northern California sister cities, National Security Language Initiative for youth, the Kennedy Luger Youth Exchange and Study Program, and numerous others exchange programs. For the past 25 years, Dave has helped expand the field of virtual exchange to build 21st century skills and foster compassion in K-12 education. Based in San Francisco, Dave has a BA in astrophysics from UC Berkeley and an MS in environmental systems, international development technology from Humboldt State University. So thank you so much, Dave, for taking the time to chat with me today and to share your thoughts. What I wanted to start with was one of the big issues that I see as an employer, as an entrepreneur, and definitely as an educator is motivating students and motivating people to take action. And this is something that you've spent a lot of time working in and building cross-cultural collaboration and helping students to connect to each other and take action in their world. One of our graduate standards at UP Academy is influencing action. So how do you take all the skills that you learn in your education and do something that makes a difference in the world with it? It's also one of your domains of the Global Education Project. So can you talk a little bit about how you work with administrators and educators to support students in taking action in their lives and communities?
1: Sure. And that is, uh, of the domains, it's the fourth and probably the most important one and the most difficult one to work with county offices, school districts, teachers, communities around what that looks like and how that fits Mm in to a typical school day for teachers um, and students. So what does action look like? We've done a really good job, I think, of after-school programs that allow kids to explore, whether it's music or athletics or maker makerspaces, uh, things like that. And I remember when I was younger, I was able to just wait for that final bell so I can actually do something, mostly with my hands, that was my choice, right? So I had agency over what that activity was going to be. I think that's a important idea, student agency right now and voice. Uh, voice and choice and, and what learning looks like, especially for middle and high school students, uh, but certainly starting earlier than that. And I think that's that's the big question right now in this pandemic is uh, where things are swirling around grades, reopening, um, not going, you know, the CSU system is now not going to convene on, on it's going to be online, right? So there's that sent signal um, to higher ed in California and all the k12 students as well, and parents like what's the value of learning right now, and how do we measure it and those conversations have been going on for a while, but now they're right there and I think uh, a lot of the work I've done and a lot of people I talk to it there is a recognition that we need to be not just empowering youth, but partners with our children in designing, learning, and teaching how we teach with them. And I think that, that seems to be underlining everything that I talk about now uh, with my team at the California Global Education Project, with district and county leaders, with others in the field of education, trying to support school districts and state agencies to have a plan to go back. And a lot of the plans are, you know, focusing on the technical testing, wearing masks, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, but there's a very deep sense of, is this the time now that we ask our kids what they want when they go back? That's a conversation I'm having with my teens, and That's where I think the really interesting conversations are right now with lots of things going on. Yesterday's budget, uh, the California state budget, decreases funding, including for a lot of the work that we do for teacher support in California. Funds for special education are being preserved, but that's about it. And then are we having this conversation with the students right now? Like when we go back, we're going to have less funding for this. What's your priority? What do you want to want to have? What do you want to see? We have a census, we have an election coming up. Um, The state of California is trying to prepare more civically minded youth right now. And we saw that with the environmental strikes, the climate strikes that kids were doing. So there's this activism coming up. How do we feed that? And again, it, it always comes back to me. It's like, are we ready to ask, especially high school students, but middle school students, like, what do you want when we go back? What do you want this to look like? Not just washing your hands or wearing a mask like what what do you want your learning to look like so you feel like you're connected with others you're doing something that you like doing something that you feel has meaning to what you the skills you want to have going forward and as you say right what what action do you want to take as a thoughtful educated citizen to help us and your families and your communities kind of emerge from this crisis um, and go forward um, with a sense of connection, especially to community. I think that's important. I think you've mentioned social, learning is very social. That's sort of broken right now. And kids are not hanging out with other kids. Uh, It takes a pretty big toll emotionally on children and their families. So When we go back, what do connections look, what do kids need? What do they want? We want to play with our friends, right? Are we going to think about recess limits in the same way after this? Are we going to think about outdoor education, which I think is something I've been thinking a lot about, um, more stuff outside, which has Mm -hmm. been decreased over the years is it healthy to be outside? Is it healthy to be with your friends outside playing? Is there going to be more play in education after this? Uh, Are we going to rethink arts, uh, performing visual arts a little differently, how we, and not just as a trauma intervention, right, for mental health of kids, but as a, like a core part of what schools can provide now and the issue of food delivery and things like that. So, a lot of stuff <laughs> to talk about. My head's full of these ideas, as I'm <laughs> sure yours are, but just really happy to hear how you're taking this from, you know, being a founder, entrepreneur, a school leader. You have to work with parents and students. So what are you hearing in, in your community about what teaching and learning is going to look like?
0: Um, I think I'm hearing a lot of the same questions that you have and we're We're in a little bit of a unique spot in that we are a newer school, being in our second year of operation. It's been a wild two years (laughs) to be a startup for sure. Um, But we're also very focused on progressive education and supporting learners where they are already. And that's a piece of what we do. And because it's worked so well for us over the last couple of years, it's part of my excitement in having these conversations with how that can be translated into other schools. And part of what I'm hearing from you is there's this bucket of wants and this bucket of needs. And a lot of what I'm hearing from chatter from school districts and from parents is how do we fill what the students need? Uh, But I think it's a really interesting take to actually go to the students and say, hey, what do you guys want? What does this look like? Um, And if we are going to do more of a hybrid model if it's going to be part-time two days a week or part-time half days how can we especially in into high school how can we incorporate some of those college level classes and dual learning or internships or other experiences and those doing things versus just learning things and really really start to reimagine what the education day looks like you know are we stuck to 6 hours in the classroom for me as an elementary educator a lot of that's for parent convenience. Do they need to be in school six hours a day? Probably not for learning, but it is social and it's social emotional learning and it's developing how to work in a group and it's developing collaboration skills and all of these other things that do just take time together to be able to create. Um, but as you get older, you know what does school look like and what should it look like? Um, and you had mentioned Currently, one of the most difficult things is to incorporate those taking action pieces to get students actually doing something in the classroom. Why do you think that's been so difficult up to this point for educators and for educational systems to incorporate?
1: Um, There's a bit of a tradition of um, measurement. Uh, It's hard to measure uh, the impact of an action project by kids. Uh And it's a little easier to measure standardized tests in terms of reading, math, literacy, history, social science, things like that. So we need to have accountability and measurement, but we haven't designed measurements that I think capture a lot of the learning that happens with action projects. And that sort of assessment is possible. It's just hard to do on scale for a systems current system we have. I think that's part of it. A little bit of a little bit of not trusting kids to do something that is going to be within the parameters of acceptable. I mean, it's and I understand that as a parent, right? You want (laughs) to you want to set some boundaries for young people, right? But there's just not as many opportunities within the school day with what these prescribed curriculum is is to give these really hands on action projects, which don't fit necessarily in a, an hour or a multi hour block within a, a, a school day, right? So um, project based learning or projects in general or taking action could be over a period of time, it could be with students not in your age cohort. It could involve intergenerational project learning, community-based work, and that can happen over time in places that are not the school. So you have all these aspects of learning that are not within the school, that are out of the control of the educators in the school, and they're not measurable. And you put all that together, it can be really frustrating. Um, I, I found athletics and other things to be awesome places to learn about everything, but they weren't measured. They were, you know, they were uh, except for applause. If you did it right, athletics is a place where it's acceptable, but you, you can't really measure the learning coming out of a lot of sports teams. Um, but I find it, and I still find it extremely helpful for all the different types of The learning I do, and it gives me perspective of how to work with teachers by being on sports teams, Um, and uh, I think that's just one example of how that doesn't quite fit in the the take action. Is take action in the global competence sense that we use in our domain is is not necessarily activism on social media or making a post or doing a march. You know, it's it's. Understanding sort of your sense in the world and how you want to be a citizen going forward. So it's not just a one-off. Um, it's, it's a disposition of wanting to be thoughtful about how you're going to present yourself to the world and work with people in it to make things better over time. Um, and we're just, I don't think our school system is particularly good at longitudinal assessment. Of teaching and learning outside of very small bits of um, pedagogy and there's just a whole big world of of learning that's out there like what at home in your community you're out you're doing stuff can you bring that into the classroom what what do you want to explore as you live in the world what do you want to explore in the classroom Um, and that's That's something that we work with teachers specifically on bringing in the, you can say passions, but just the interests of the students, um, Mm -hmm. seeing stuff in the world, exploring it, and then bringing it in the classroom. And let's start with there, whether we're doing a chemistry class or whether we're talking about history or whether we're doing math or geometry, um, bringing in the natural world, but also bringing in just what's happening at home. With your family, so I think those are uh, sometimes people call them authentic learning prompts or things like that, but it's it's um, again it's and i'm going to keep saying this over and over <laughs> is uh, ask ask your students what's what do you really want to explore today? What do you want to learn and I know it's hard to do that with thirty students in one place, but it's good teachers are able to understand Uh, what their students are interested in, kind of go from there. We're just not set up for the take action part, but it's really, really, really important, especially right now.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I think we're both in agreement that there are so many things that you learn in classes and athletics and things outside of school that aren't easily quantified or measured or definitely tested or assessed against. I know personally, all through high school, I was a dancer and very physically active all the time, similar to being an athlete. But I got C's in PE; like it, it just <laughs> didn't translate. Um, so, you know, we're in a time where students are at home, and one of the things I hear a lot of parents talking about is their child falling behind. My student isn't getting curriculum from school. We're not doing as much online learning. I got a packet of worksheets, but my student finished it in the first couple of days. You know, what else can I be doing? And part of what I'm hearing you say is definitely asking, asking your students what they're interested in. So from a parent perspective and from an educator perspective, you know, how can we really foster those take action traits or those interests or those passion projects or what practical advice do you have for parents to really work with their students on that during this time?
1: Yeah, um, very carefully um, is, you know, the The answer to that um, we're in a an emergency it's a a national emergency, and there's things happening that we know really harms children, uh, especially with learning, uh, and that's unemployment of their parents. So there's a lot of evidence that that's really bad, right? So we have, we're out of school, they're away from their friends, they're scared, we're all scared, people are unemployed, kids are sensing bad things are happening to a lot of people right now. So there's, there's that, right? And so most people I know are being very cautious Mm -hmm. and sensitive to the mental health of children right now. Be there, connect, say how you're doing, you know ask them to connect with their friends, talk, give them space, let them eat what they want, you know, things like that. But you're also, we also have to have a vision of how to go forward, right? Kids need hope. They don't need despair. Can't just throw our hands up and say, you know, whatever. Uh, There there are still rules and young people need guidance uh, and to understand the consequence of their actions and things like that. So, And we need as parents and educators to model that. Um, And I I like modeling a lot as what we do as adults. Um, I think it's very powerful. um, And uh, especially if you've got teens, you know, there's like, they can smell a hypocrite in a second, right? (laughs) Um, But it's, uh, I'm less concerned about, learning loss Then i'm about social connection like not be able to hang out with your kids or kids not be able to hang out with their friends friendships are really important right now Um, and so if we design our distance learning activities teachers students whatever um again ask the kids like how would you like to do this with a friend how can we set this up to do this as a friend? Do we go to a place where you stand six feet apart and work on a math lesson? Do you do it online? Are you doing it on your own social media platform, um, right? you're Using Twitch, you're doing an online game, which I'm doing with my kids. So that you ask them what's the best way and try to direct them towards being social in their learning, I think, is explore different ways to do that. It's not easy. Schools are just such an important community center, right? And we we need to get back to that as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, um, I'm less worried about the learning loss. I have older children now, so if you have younger kids, especially in disadvantaged situations, having trouble with reading and writing and basic math literacy, then it's, it's slightly different conversation. Parents with special needs kids, right? Um, need a little extra help. So I don't know the answer as much as the this general feeling that whatever we design that connects kids to each other one way or another is a key thing we can do right now as educators and parents more than I think trying to do direct instruction through distance learning you can do some a lot of teachers we work in are checking in but half their students are more not coming back they're not opening up their zoom let alone their packets that the younger ones got right it's just there's a lot of um, attrition right now so teachers trying to check in maybe once or twice a week um, and a lot of the schools teachers I'm talking to, um, parents can try to set up what playdates in one form or another, I think is probably the most important thing. Um, but I defer to mental health professionals (laughs) on that one. Uh, that, that feels like my, that would be my advice.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, it's it's really important to remember our kids' emotional health and social health and understand that if we're lucky enough to be in a place where we are employed and aren't concerned right now, that's not true of all of our children's friends and definitely not true of everyone that we generally interact with. And so it is really important to remember that we have to build that that base of having a solid relationship and having safety and having security before students can even begin to learn. And it is so social. School is a social place. It's a community building place. It's a place where students get to talk to other adults and people in authority and share ideas and gain educational knowledge, but also just knowledge of being human and collaborating and connection with others. And we're missing all of that right now. And it's one of the questions that I keep getting about fall is if we're still in a virtual learning environment and we're going into new classes like this year we had the advantage of students having known their teachers and known the rest of their classmates for two thirds of the year before the year quit but next year as we're starting school it could be new students new cohorts new teachers and for a lot of places and for a lot of families even if schools do go back there are a number of families who are not comfortable going back who have their own Health issues in the house, or live with elderly grandparents in the home, or just don't feel safe. And so, there's going to be a number of classrooms popping up where they don't have that prior relationship. So, I think what I'm hearing you say is really just talk and connect with the kids and see how they want to build those relationships and how they want to work together. But definitely making sure that we make time to build those interpersonal relationships, whether it's virtually or in person.
1: Yeah and we're we're going to have the we're going to have kids who don't want to talk about what's happening in their home. Yeah. Um so there there's that and there are going to be parents who uh, I was just reading about uh, Israel's attempt to reopen schools last week and they only had 60% of the parents who are just scared they don't mm-hmm. know, right? So it's There's relationships, there's trust, there's feeling safe for parents, um, and some of it depends on the procedures we set up. Uh, The CDC has how to reopen your school guidelines, but they're very broad, and Mm -hmm. each of the thousand school districts in California will decide on their own. They have to decide on their own. It's not a choice. I mean, they, they will open or not and how they open or not. So you're going to have a thousand different models perhaps, or many different models of what that looks like in different areas of the state. Yes. Uh, so that's, that's going to be chaos, but it's also good data of what works and not in different situations. So if these districts share what's happening well um, across the districts, then Different types of demographic and rural, urban districts will find each other and hopefully help each other be able to do that. But trust is so valuable. It's so hard to build it and it can be gone so quickly. And this is about our children feeling safe. And that is, they feel safe with their friends again. And I think they'll feel safer if we ask them. Um, not just how they're doing, but what, what, what do they want learning, the school experience or the learning experience, education experience to look like? What would be their ultimate day? What would be like the coolest thing they could do? Work on a project for two months? Um, this might be the time where pr- more project based learning or competency based learning gets tried out in different districts. Most districts have been pretty resistant to project-based learning, uh, despite the Buck Institute trying for a long, long time I and mean, many others to do that. Um, it doesn't quite, it's not a perfect fit with the traditional school model, so maybe now it is. and Maybe more people will try. I'm, I'm a slightly resistant, I, I feel slightly uncomfortable about the words silver lining and opportunity things like that. I'm getting more comfortable with it um, because it's obvious that this is a big opportunity to try new ways of thinking about how we teach and learn with children who need us to talk to them about this. Uh, I, I just think it's inappropriate and not very constructive to just Go back to the same structure in a school setting that where social distancing is not possible. Really, are you going to have somebody suggested that teachers and students all wear masks at school? And I, I just don't see that. Um, I just don't see that happening for especially in primary level schools. Our, our kids are kids going to wear the mask the whole day? Are our, our high school students going to do that? Right. And I think that the the design of how we use classrooms and hallways in the school setting is um, we're going to be redesigned. And I think the best partners for doing that um, will include kids. You know, where are you where are you safe? Where are you safe going? Uh, do you want to be on?